we need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking, and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Welcome back, dear listener, episode 261, the beginning of year six of the podcast. (laughs) This is the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. It's a podcast about news and politics and sex and religion. We look at what's going on in the world and give our two cents worth. I, of course, am Trevor, a.k.a. the Iron Fist. With me now, as always, <laughs> until he decides to abandon ship again, Scott the Velvet Glove. G'day, Trevor. G'day, Paul. G'day, Warren. G'day, listeners. Yes. How are we all? Like the prodigal son that he is, he's returned for good now, and we're seeing what he was up to. Also with me is the 12th man, Paul. Greetings, Earthlings. And was the beer sponsor. G'day, everyone. Right, dear listener. Well, who would have thought five years ago, Scott, that we'd be envisaging a time where Melbourne goes into complete lockdown, borders are up, people can't move between states, and we're probably not that surprised by it. You know, no, it's, just, it's, it's part of the course these days. Well, you're not surprised for it now. I think you, if you five years ago, we would have been very surprised to hear this, but um, mm. right now, I think it's you know, me and the better half were saying, I think it was on. Sunday, we were saying they're going to have to close the border between Victoria and New South Wales, mm. and they did. It seemed to me the logical thing to do was to close the border. Um, I'm really not surprised that Melbourne's going back into lockdown at midnight again tomorrow night. Um, so was so was and Paul, you I had the feeling were kind of anti-lockdown previously. Mm. I thought it was all a bit too much and still an overreaction. Well, that was. My, you beat me to the question. <laughs> Still, mm. do you think so? You don't think Melbourne should go into a lockdown now like this? Is that what you're saying? No, right, definitely not. Right, had 191 infections yesterday. Mm. And Paul, well, people seem to now jump to the conclusion that lockdown is the only logical response, and I just mm. don't think it is. Okay. I think the damage caused by lockdown is as great or greater than the damage caused by the virus, frankly. There's about nine people in intensive care with COVID-19 now in Melbourne. And? It's, and? And, <laughs> and that's a very small percentage of the population have got coronavirus. Mm. So here's the thing. If, if it was just running rampant and you had a 1,000 times as many people with it and therefore a 1,000 times as many in intensive care... That's a lot of people. Mm. Like this is the whole point of the lockdown is the overrun of the health system. And I, well, that was the thing that from listening to the news tonight when they said there's nine people in a Victorian hospitals with in intensive care, I thought, wow, that's a lot. Nine people. Y- yeah, given we're still talking about two hundred people a day being infected, it could easily, if just left unchecked without a lockdown, could easily be. A thousand a day. A thousand, ten thousand people a day. So that nine in intensive care could easily be ninety and nine hundred, and you're really getting to a point where people die unnecessarily. Mm. But But uh, again, you're assuming lockdown is the only viable response. Okay, so your response is if it's not a lockdown, what 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 should the Andrews government be doing then, if not 
Masks, everybody wearing masks, washing yeah. their hands. That's a good idea. Social distancing. Yep. Anything, you know, that will perhaps deal with the problem mm. short of cutting people off from their means of making a living. I'd be for lockdown if there was empirical evidence that showed that it worked and there's none at the moment. It's very patchy, I have to agree. Okay, we've been through the whole lockdown saga before. I can't revisit it. So, dear listener, if you're thinking, if you didn't listen to our (laughs) lockdown episode Mm. about four or five uh, episodes ago, ago, then uh, revisit that one. I I understand the emotional response. Um, You did a book review a couple of episodes back. um, And the book review that you did before that was um, Daniel Carterman. Oh, a long time ago, yes, yeah. yes. Thinking Fast and Slow Thinking by fast Daniel Kahneman. And slow. Yes. So the fast response is, yes, lockdown. Mm. That's what we've got to do. But the slow response is, well, is there any evidence that it actually works? And when you crunch the numbers and look at the data, there's, no, there's still no empirical evidence that lockdowns so, so for those who don't know, Daniel Kahneman wrote a book with another guy, Thinking Fast and Slow, and basically there was System 1 and System 2 thinking. Mm. So System 1 was uh, easy, quick, intuitive thinking yes, where you don't intuitive. actually use your brain cells too much. System 2 is hard working out and calculating. Mm. So if I was to say to you, what's 2 times 2? Answer 4. Easy. What's the colour of that wall? You know, green, blue, whatever. Yeah. Um, what's your mother's maiden name? Like just simple things that you know. But if I was to say to you, what's 17 times 14? Yeah. At that point you go, I can work this out and then you have to mentally grind the gears and really use up some mental power. And, and that uses energy and we don't like to use up energy unnecessarily. So sometimes faced with... Uh, choices that are a bit more ambiguous where we think, oh, the obvious easy answer is this. I don't want to really grind my gears and work it out. I'll just go with my gut. That's what Mm. human nature is inclined to do. But you could also say human nature, uh, emotive reaction is shutdowns are stupid. I should be allowed to go out and do what I want. Uh, It doesn't necessarily follow that one is more system one-ish than the other. I think you could argue that emotional first response could apply either way in this case. So we, in an entire podcast, went through all the statistics about what went on in around the world. I think we exercised some system two thinking as much as we could mm. in that podcast. But we, we didn't still, all come to the same conclusion. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. So without wanting to revisit that, I just thought that was interesting that um, nobody's changed their opinion. And you don't get to say anything because you weren't there. We're not going all the way back into it, Scott. <laughs> well, I'm not going all the way back into it. I just think I'm not surprised Victoria's done what they've done. Mm. You know, and you can also <clears throat> see the look of anguish in, in Daniel Andrews' face. He's absolutely terrified of what he's got to do to, do, to try and get on top of it again. Mm. Mm. Yes. You know, it's not an easy decision for him. Mm. Agreed. And mm. it's, I don't envy any of our political leaders their jobs at the moment because no. it, it, they have to make some tough Choices, it's for sure. It's a prick of a thing to actually yeah. have to do, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, you made the comment just as you walked in the door when we were discussing it outside was um, the public housing blocks in Melbourne where there's a you know outbreak mm. and, well, how did you describe it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it, when I first heard that they were stuck at home, I thought, oh, that's not too bad. But then I, I opened up the paper and saw what their home looked like and I thought, those poor bastards. <laughs> yeah. Very Soviet-era style. Oh, my God. Multi-level accommodation mm. that has Just no... Just made you depressed looking at yeah, them. Yeah. There's been no yeah. um, money Couldn't spent have... on aesthetics and there's no seemingly balconies or whatever and pretty narrow windows and very... It did remind me of something out of um, – I was in Slovakia at one point. You could just tell those Soviet-era buildings had a feel about them and mm. I reckon they used the same architect. And so, <laughs> but um, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's nothing like that in Brisbane, in Queensland. I've no, not multi-level, massive complexes. Like, there are some in Sydney, I know. There yeah. are – there. you know, there is a housing commission place down the road from me and it's three storeys high. But they do have not individual verandas, but there are walkways out to the out to their um, units and that sort of thing that they can use as a veranda if they wish to. But there are no multi multi levels. Yeah, because they were at least sort of twelve, fifteen stories high. Those things and big mm. blocks and several of them together. And Brisbane, I think, might have some three level things. Mm. Or yeah. no, it, it, mm. I think you said it reminded you of Chernobyl. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was said it actually, and it did. Yeah. So that was interesting. And the other thing is, you know, they're looking at the conditions that are imposed and restaurants and pubs are now takeaway. And but here's the one: is hairdressers. People are still able to go to hairdressers under certain conditions. What is it with hairdressing? I just would have thought that hairdressers was an obvious one of a no-no on the face of it. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Who's in charge of the hairdressing lobby? Because we need them on board for the secular. <laughs> Movement because hair potentially yeah. must be covered in bacteria and viruses, and just the close proximity of yes. having to deal with somebody. And let's face it, really, is that essential that somebody can get their hair done? I mean, Evidently, mm. it is. Well, you got to look at Bojo. You know, his hair's out of control. Mm. <laughs> you know, it is. It's completely out of control. And you think to yourself, I wonder if that's a result of Britain's lockdown. No, he does that on purpose. Yeah, it's part of his. <laughs> it is. It is it's part of his brand. People watch him, and he intentionally messes up his hair. Yeah, he does. When, yeah, so that's mm. part of his thing. But um, well, I know with my wife, um, I've been colouring her hair. So good for you. Yeah. So ended up getting some hair dye for nine dollars ninety five and putting it in and. If I do say so myself, I've done a fair job and we both looked together. Why are we spending, you know, all this, well ex- all this money on the head? You know, it's yeah. not that hard to do. So people, and I obviously don't cut it, but people can colour their hair at home if they really need to. So there are ways around these things. I just I just find it amazing that hairdressing is an exemption. I just it Trevor, makes, yeah. not everybody has a, a loving partner like you. <laughs> and you can do it yourself. I've got other friends who, you know, where they've actually just done it themselves, like it is possible, so... Anyway, good luck to hairdressers. They've got a, a very strong lobby going on there. So, right. Um, uh, so now we've got a border closure. Well, we've got border closures everywhere, but particularly the Victorian New South Wales one. And um, the Constitution, Section 92, says trade, commerce, and intercourse among the states, whether by means of internal carriage or ocean navigation, shall be. Absolutely free. There you go. They've Cl- violated our constitution. So Clive Palmer and others are have got legal actions up saying you can't do this, you states, you can't um, close the borders because the constitution says um, that movement between people shall be absolutely free. 
you would have thought that's a pretty good argument mm. in the Constitution. And did you ever think you'd be on Clive's side on anything? Well, not on his side because oh. he's got a problem. <laughs> this is the beauty about the law. Like you read something like that where it says trade, commerce and intercourse among the states shall be absolutely free. But in this context, um, uh, the states, despite that, can actually hinder movement across state boundaries. So there's been court cases where the high court, uh, there was a case where, this is from the conversation where I grabbed this piece, where um, it depends on the reasons. So one of the states, New South Wales, enacted the uh, Influx of Criminals Prevention Act back in 1903 to prevent convicted criminals from other states entering New South Wales. Um, And the High Court struck down that law because it said not good enough reasons. But there's been lots of um, examples since where states have tried to restrict movement for um, animals that are likely to carry disease or other reasons. And And the courts have said, well, if you've got a good reason and you're not being excessive in what you're doing, then actually a state can prevent movement across the boundaries, despite the Constitution saying, quote, absolutely free. So so there you go. It depends on the situation. Um, Justice Brennan said that it is to protect the state or its residents from injury, a law which expressly prohibits or impedes movement of the apprehended source of injury across the border into the state may yet be valid a court would need to consider the severity of the restriction and the need for the measure. So these court cases are going to look at do um, lockdowns work? Like Mm. what's the peril that's being faced? Is this measure sort of commensurate um, with the peril that's being faced and is it reasonable in the circumstances? And so, Mm. you know, a, a was and a poor high court would take the view, well, it's, an unreasonable reaction to a problem. I would want to see some evidence that a lockdown is effective. Right. You can go back to that episode we did about four episodes ago. It doesn't matter. Okay. (laughs) Queensland police officers have refused entry to more than 740 Victorians since new border restrictions came into force on Mm -hmm. Friday. Yeah. It'd be quite depressing down there. I've spoken to somebody who said um, it's quite a depressed atmosphere in Victoria because... Mm. I mean, the weather's shitty and cold, and mm. and now they've got this. It, yeah. And traditionally, they come to Queensland during the winter to Indeed. get away from that. And then they watch their football to kind of get a you know during the they're winter months. They're on their months. way to Noosa, and they're yeah. now in Byron Bay. Yeah, Byron Bay's a big winner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and in the chat well, room, they can't go up to Byron but Bay. But is New South Wales well. accepting Victorians? Well, uh, no, no, they're not. Nobody is. No, they're completely so they locked can't even hang Well, out these are Bar- Victorians that are trying to get into Queensland over the New South Wales border, apparently. Mm-hmm. But so yeah. they're already in New they're South Wales. So how how did they sneak across? Well, the that was before in- this oh, recent okay. decision. Okay. So they've mm. been travelling up. So mm. yeah, sure. so. And in fact, a border only closes tomorrow or something, doesn't it? So border closes tonight at eleven fifty nine p.m. Yeah, so they've crossed in New South Wales before. Your watches. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> Anne in the chat room says some of those housing complexes in Melbourne at least have community gardens for growing food if residents choose. Okay, somewhere off to the side, we've got a community garden. Still looks pretty grim. If you're in the chat room, say hello, make some comments. Good to know you're there. Right. Um, What's wrong with Australia? I just thought I'd sneak this one in. I didn't give it to you guys beforehand. But we're going to be talking about religious groups and the power that they have and... 
dominionism and the seven mountains and stuff. And I just came across this article from a blog that I subscribe to or follow, Independent Australia, and this guy's been running it for a while. And he had an article where he said, people often ask me what the problem is with Australia. And he said, for 10 years, he's been managing editor of this news website, and he's been closely studying our nation, a bit like we've been doing for the last five years. And he puts it down to, I'll summarise it as, Ruling elites, the problem with Australia, in short, is that a small group of small-minded people with regressive, radical and authoritarian tendencies have taken control of our nation and only when we are able to wrest control of our country back from uh, the ratchet grip of this dangerous minority will Australia be able to regain its lustre and integrity. So we're going to talk about our political parties and the small groups that are over, you know, Mm. Control them and essentially control our parliament. I think he's accurate. You think he's pretty close to accurate. On that yeah. one? Anyone want to disagree with that? No. No. Um, he says, quiet Australians, so drifting becalmed in the backwaters of the world, the majority of Australians are quiet, contented, placid, languid and self-satisfied, though wary of any threats to their comfortable existence. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. So, Apathetic is a word that I would use. Yeah. And it's typical um, of communities that are going okay that you take your eye off the ball and mm. why would you pay attention to these things mm-hmm. if you didn't have to? So, um, Was it not always thus? Indeed. I mean, I think my whole life I can recall people saying, oh, the government's really terrible. What's happened to the government? You know, a bunch of fascists or a bunch of right-wingers or a bunch of left-wingers or whatever. People have always complained about the government. Are they any worse now, do you think? Um, He would say that they're really not paying any attention to it until election time when they're forced to vote and they just have a look at it at that point and really don't pay attention to it otherwise, don't care too much otherwise. I think that's Mm. true. I think it's always been true, Trevor, hasn't it? Disinterest, yeah. 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 I mean... But in times of in bad times or times of revolution or whatever, then people start paying attention. Yes, and we've often made this point, haven't Mm. we, on the podcast that Australians are just too comfortable to really make too much of a fuss. That's right. (laughs) Or most of us anyway. Yes, that's right. Yep. Uh, He also blames the media monopoly that we've got going and um, that... The uh, monopoly of the ABC. Um. (laughs) <laughs> yes, duopoly. But um, uh, he says <clears throat> a lot of people get their political messaging in more subliminal fashion, such as sandwich boards outside of news agents, snatched FM radio broadcasts, the television in a doctor's waiting room, or newspapers perused in coffee shops. Or Sky News on the railway plat- platform at Indeed. On the way home from work. Or Sky News on the TV in the aeroplane when you are allowed to fly. Yeah. Um, so he says that the bulk of the population are ripe for exploitation by a self-interested minority and in general major media owners support conservative causes because they believe it is in their financial interest to do so. And um, that basically we're getting a subliminal message uh, conservatives good, progressives bad, is what we're getting from the majority of the media. I think that's true. Not from the ABC, we're not. No. And certainly not from SBS. Yeah. But from the ABC, what we get 
is the whole identity politics thing, but we never get an examination of economic theory. Oh, I don't know. There are some... Oh, you I, mean I, from a, a social justice progressive? No, from a, from a left-wing economic theory, we don't get what's all this shit about. They don't give you the left-wing um, trickle-down economics is not working theory. You they never, don't. you don't hear that on the ABC. I, I don't uh, read the business section very often. Yeah. I have well, to say. well no, you just you don't, don't get it. Don't get it. On the, so, the ABC is quiet on it. Yeah. You know, the only okay. time that they ever talk about the closest they come to is when they bleat about their own budget. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah, they like talking about themselves. They yeah. do. They love talking about themselves. Yeah, yeah but they don't give you the. Um, they don't give you a budget surpluses are crazy um, in a recession <clears throat> argument. It's anywhere near like you get from the right wing media, Murdoch media, that always budget deficits are bad. So. I, I, they're left-wing when it comes to identity stuff, but they're pretty middle of the road when it comes to other stuff or non-existent. I'm curious now. I'll have to have a look more often at the business section. Yes. Well, not even at the business section. You've just got to look mm. at the political section mm. because that's where they have most of their economics discussion is in politics. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And Trevor's right. They mm. don't go down that road. The conversation does go down that road, though. Yeah. Um, Paul in the chat room says, God, Trevor, did you not see that Alan Cole interview on modern economic theory? Uh Look, I have seen Alan Cole talking about modern um, economic theory. Um, he's done a little bit. Often on the ABC, though, he's more middle of the road in his actual he, – he puts the proposition forward to the central bank governor and then just says, what about that, and then just shrugs his shoulder at whatever answer he gets. He doesn't really push it. Uh, in his private podcasts and stuff, I've heard him be a bit more positive about it, but um, – he really just posits it as a theory out there. Oh, there is this modern monetary theory and that's got people flummoxed. There it is. But uh, it's not really pushing a line like what you might see. So Modern monetary theory, yeah. that was the thing that you had that um, economist on here talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It. yeah. And Paul, again, says you guys bag the ABC based on tiny little samples of their programs and you have no idea what they're really saying. Well, Paul, we watch a fair bit of it and uh, that's our impression of it. So... The station I watch more than any other by far. Yeah. So, all right. Um, okay. We're going to talk a bit about religion and the religious takeover and their, and their, their unbelievable motivation. Um, I saw this from the Rational Society. This was uh, Polybius um, writing for a largely Greek readership in the second century BCE. It's a long time ago. The classical historian Polybius, in the sixth book of his history of the rise of the Roman Empire, wrote, The sphere in which the Roman Commonwealth seems to me to show its superiority most decisively is in that of religious belief. Here we find that the very phenomenon, which among other people is regarded as a subject for reproach, namely superstition, is actually the element which holds the Roman state together. These matters are treated with such solemnity and introduced so frequently both into public and into private life that nothing could exceed them in importance. Many people may find this astonishing, but my own view is that the Romans have adopted these practices for the sake of the common people. The approach might not have been necessarily, had it ever been possible, to form a state composed entirely of wise human beings. Oh, it may not have been necessary, um, but as the masses are always fickle, filled with lawless desires, unreasoning anger and violent passions, 
they can only be restrained by mysterious terrors or other dramatizations of the subject. Isn't it amazing how well people wrote over 2,000 years ago? Yeah, that's amazing. Incredibly valid today. The wisdom of those guys is incredible. And the, the, despite you know terrible educations, right? They're it, incredibly it would be a wise, translation from Latin. We have to assume yeah. rather. Like I don't imagine this guy wrote it in such no. eloquent English. But mm. um, I find it interesting that he he says uh, superstition, namely superstition. Mm. That's how we, or that's how I conceptualize it. Mm. Um, interesting that. You know, two thousand years ago, there was there were other people also seeing it as superstition, and mm. but after all, you know, he finds a function for it. Mm. Now, I, I I come across on you know internet chats a lot of people saying, "Oh, religion is just something cooked up by the elites to keep the you know the the dumb masses in check." I really don't see it that way. I don't think it was ever this sort of conspiracy of really smart sort of lords and you know, kings and people uh, saying, hey, I've got this really neat idea to control the masses. Mm. We'll make them religious. Mm. I mean, it's much, much older than that. I think it's something that's just been handed down through the generations. It has certainly been very useful for rulers. Well, rulers have looked at priests and imams and other clerics who have a sway over their religious flock and have had to deal with them because they've got people of influence who they need to deal with. So they'll, if possible, work with them of course. and say, what do you want? You want your church? You want your cathedral? What do I want from you in return? Compliance and these mm. things. So let's do a deal Absolutely. Is, is kind of how, rather than them saying, um, let's just invent this as a means of controlling people. But yeah. certainly they would look at it and go, with jealousy to some extent, oh, jeez, those priests have got those people by the balls. It's amazing what they can get people to do. <laughs> if only I had that much persuasive power over people. It wasn't for nothing so, in the French Revolution so, that they yeah. killed a lot of priests and in the, yeah. uh, the, the Spanish Civil War they yeah. also yeah. killed a lot of priests. So if, if, for example, we were put on a spaceship and sent to colonise a new you know, world, in a different universe or something, and you were the ruler, you would, and you're thinking, oh, I need to gain control of the population's um, sentiments here. It would be a dangerous thing to introduce religion because then the leaders of the religion uh, would gain some power that you then wouldn't necessarily control. So you'd let a genie out of the bottle, um, Pandora's box, all those anal- you know, metaphors and analogies, whatever. Um, yeah. So and Wouldn't you hope that <laughs> humanity had grown mm. up a little bit intellectually but, by then? Yeah. But mind you, if you're wanting to go off to war and you really want to get people motivated and you can make it uh, based on a religious thing, then um, then you're going to get some motivated troops as a result. Yeah. So, Well, it's, you know, Homo sapiens, our ability to cooperate in large scale mm. is what gives us our strengths over mm. other species. And religion mm. provides that ability. It does. Brings people together. Facilitates yeah. it, for sure. It, it creates mm. that sort of um, family sort mm. of trust in and each other. purpose. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And certainly uh, in America with the, you know, the Republicans have done a deal with the religious right and said, we'll give what you something. What did you call them? The Republicans. The Republicans oh, have done a deal with the religious right. Yeah. Mm. Thought so, you made up some cute term for no, Republicans. No, no. Just I might have stumbled a little bit, but Republicans. <laughs> yeah. So, um 
Paul in the chat room, Paul, I don't blame identity politics for everything going wrong. That's that's a straw man, Paul. Mm. But what I am saying is it's it's distracting from the main game. It's splintered the opposition into these little groups based on identity, fighting for their own little patch when they should be coalescing together and fighting based on class rather than identity. So it's it's damaging because it's divided the left rather than brought them together. Right. Um, Queensland state election then, bearing all that in mind, um, there was an article from... Ugh, Peter Gleeson in the Courier Mail. This is what I do for you people out there is I read Peter Gleeson articles in the Courier Mail. He did make a point that there is a group called Cherish Life who are going to be very active in the Queensland state election coming up and they've got their eye on different marginal seats and they reckon that they can influence a seat up to 3.5%. So, um, you know... God, I hope not. Well, mm. you hope not, mm. but, you know, Mansfield was the one that, stuck out there because that's my seat. Mm. And Mansfield's got right bang in the middle of it that great big bloody Hillsong church. Mm. Oh, yeah, the Brisbane branch. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it's also got a whole heap of churches in there. And it was described to me by members of the Liberal Party back when I was a member of it saying that it's, oh, yeah, that's it's the Bible Belt out here. Mm. I thought to myself. The southern that? suburbs of Brisbane have been referred to as the Bible Belt for some yeah. years, yeah. So... You know, Mansfield could fall because, you know, they're pushing that old barrow up. They're still pushing the barrow of abortion and they're going to continually push that until the day they die. Mm. And <clears throat> they could end up influencing a seat like Mansfield to change. Mm. Mansfield is, yeah, they do have quite a lot of churches around that area. Mm. And I believe Mansfield State High was also one of the schools where Christian parents as a group uh, sort of banded together to have certain books removed from the school library and, you know, things like this, protecting their children from, you know, the corrupting influences of right. the wrong books, right. for goodness sake. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Palace Chook's popularity is uh, soaring, isn't it? Well, she's... She- she All has, had a lucky, really. she's had a lucky run because the, very lucky run. there were murmurings about, oh, you you held on too long with the border and why didn't you open up quicker? But just these things happening in Victoria mm. have fallen into place for her where she's mm. looking yeah. really good, you would have but thought. You know, me and the better half were saying that um, if New South Wales doesn't close the border with Victoria, then Palaszczuk should say something to Berejiklian saying, if you want the border to come down between Queensland and New South Wales, you're going to have to raise your border between New South Wales and Victoria. Mm. You that, know? Was, that was before and now they yeah. have. Yeah, I yeah, think they have, they're, so. all, they're already doing that, aren't they? They are, yeah, yeah. yeah. The border is being closed tonight at yeah. midnight. And yeah. people living in places like <clears throat> Albury, Wodonga, of course, are in all kinds of trouble because Absolutely. And they drive back and forth well, across the border every like day. several times it's a day. It's just one of those things that I thought to myself, you know, I was listening to a podcast this morning. I can't think what it was, but it was um, they were saying that we are two cities, one one community. And you think to yourself, that makes perfect sense. Okay, you either got to move the border south to take Aubrey Wodonga as one, or move that. the border north. But and they're not going to do it. Of course not. What will happen at Aubrey Wodonga is what's happening at Coolangatta now. Yes. And essentially, you just get a permit that you just plaster on your windscreen and drive straight through and they wave you through. 
So, and even if you don't, like I was down there just a couple of days ago and the people who'd forgotten to print out the permit and stick it on their window, they were literally holding up their mobile phones because they had gone onto the site and had got the permit on their mobile phone. And as they're driving through the checkpoint, they're holding up their mobile phone and the police are waving them through. Now, there's no way the police could have read what was on their mobile phone. So we but, know what to do now but, but, when we're going across the border, well, just hold up our mobile phone. Exactly. So at Albury-Wodonga, within a few days, everyone's going to have these things on their windscreen and they're just going to move back and forward and it's not going to be a, a big issue. But in the chat room, Camille says, I've heard nothing but negativity about her here on the border. And that's true. It is negative down there because coffee shops and whatnot are still, despite that, people won't cross the border. But just overall in the rest of the state, you would think that Palaszczuk's had a pretty lucky run. So she might lose the border seat, I guess, um, but or it's going to hurt her down there. She's but, had a very lucky run. You know, mm. I think that's the exact way to put it. Mm. She has been exceptionally lucky. I thought of one more thing about Mansfield and mm. why, why it's uh, so, so sort of vulnerable to, to be captive by the Christian vote. Christian Outreach College. Yeah, it's a big, true. a big, you know, conservative Christian school there. City Point, is it? I don't know, but it was called Christian Outreach College years ago when I lived in okay. the area. I yeah, don't maybe know if it's called City Point. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this Deb Frecklington has, um, thanks She's to a- Paul for reminding me, has come out with the sort of tough, tough on youth crime yeah. thing, and. This is just such pushing the same shit uphill. Is youth crime out of control in Queensland again? No, it's not. It's the same as it's. But it's a three strikes and we're locking you up deal. This will be tough on crime. What? And it's just the same old right wing crap that she's just. She seems. On the face of it, she's probably a nice lady, but she's not very well read. Not not very well read. She's uh, not. Doesn't, hasn't, hasn't she looked at read about the harm it's caused in yeah. the United States, this so-called three strikes and you're out rule? Obviously not. And it's just... Oh. And she's a leader of a major political party. And, and just by being tough and having that, suddenly these youth, the youth criminals who are out and about are going, oh, I'll stop now because I'm at number two. <laughs> I'm not going to do number three because that's the third time. And, and this is the a, naivety of such yeah. an approach, yeah. isn't it? That just a politician announcing something like that, right. and all of a sudden the people who, who yeah. might commit such crimes are like, whoa, yep. Yep. well, that, I'm out then, you know. Yeah, but that just panders to a, like an that. audience that hopefully is shrinking where people just go, hang on a minute, that's not how the system works. That's not going to do the trick. I don't think it is shrinking, Trevor. I, <laughs> it worries me, like, you know. My week long watching Sky News after dark, ah. it was frightening. Oh. You know, it was terrifying. Yeah. And well, you're watching it for the team, though, aren't you? I was watching it for the team, but yeah. you know, it was absolutely terrifying. And the thing that scared the living shit out of me was the final night when I was watching it, they had an advertisement for what was coming up on July something or other. Dry July, right? No. Oh. Alan Jones is getting his own fucking show. Yeah, it started. My, my mother watched it last night. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. And. <laughs> Does she if, like Alan Jones? Uh, no. Even she was able to say that um, that he's crazy. <laughs> he is crazy. When you say even she, that's a bit patronising. Well, my mother's got some strange ideas. Okay. And so, um, but actually, I'll just get interrupt. 
you know, that sort of three strikes rule. Mm. In the chat room, KB says, in Australia, shouldn't it be six and out? (laughs) (laughs) That's a bit more appropriate. Yeah. So what's Palace Chook's approval rating? I just looked it up. You you often quiz these two guys on these these numbers. As a preferred um, uh, premier, is that the one or the Labor Liberal? Which one? Is it? It is um, preferred premier. Uh, No approval. Approval of approval. Approval of the coronavirus response, or just approval as premier? Overall approval. News poll. Um, Overall. Well, Come on, give, give me the question of what the poll was. Was I'm like trying a, to could, find it. it. It doesn't actually say. It's, so, it's so, hidden. It's buried in this. Uh, uh, I'd put her in the 60s. She's, I'd put her at 58. Oh, 59. Yeah, well, we were close. Four point, uh, recent four-point right. increase to right. 59 and mm. a four-point drop to disapproval of 35%. She's mm. a shoo-in. Well. Well. <laughs> It depends on how well-behaved the Christians are. You know, well, I hope they campaign really hard mm. and they get no result and next election comes around they think, well, last time we tried really hard and got nowhere, so... One would hope. But throw I, their hands in the air. I, I, I don't think they're ever going to do that. Mm. Uh, I but, saw a report that said, sorry. No, uh, I was just going to make some flippant comment like... Oh. As as the Lord is their guide, they shall they shall never give in. Yeah, they shall never stop trying. I saw this report that said that uh, if they lose again, then they'll split. But because they're currently dear for interstate or for people outside of Queensland, we've got the LNP as a merged party mm. here, Liberal National Party. So mm. if they lose again, they could well they should split. split. Don't you reckon? I'd Absolutely, like to see them they split. they yeah. should have. They should never have merged in the first place. It was a takeover. They're not natural bedfellows. No, they? they're not natural bedfellows. It was a takeover by the National Party of the Liberal Party. That's all it was. They needed they needed them to work closer together to win government. They got government, and now the National Party is trying to run everything from the back rooms. It is fucking disgraceful. Did you hear what happened in Eden Monaro? The, uh, the, the president national- of the National Party in in New, New South, South Wales, Wales. he, he was campaigned for, for Labor. Labor. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bloody disgusting. You know, the national- and they nearly lost because of it. You know, well, the shooters, fishers, and farmers are, are sort of neck and neck with the nationals in a lot of areas now. Absolutely, they've taken over a lot of yeah, national but, territory. But yeah. in terms of uh, raw numbers, do they come anywhere close they're, to the? Nationals? They're getting there. They really, I, yeah, they're they're, they're getting. Getting close to them, taking a lot of their voters, yeah. So, um, so anyway, back in Queensland, we've talked before about the religious groups branch stacking and taking over the Liberal Party, and I said to you, the Liberal Party is just, it's gone. If you, The only hope is Labor because it's too entrenched in the Liberal Party. So... Um, I think we're both gone. So this article from The Guardian where the reporter spoke to 20 current and former LNP members who revealed the growing discord with a small cabal of backroom power brokers, especially as the party grapples with an influx of conservative grassroots members dubbed the Christian soldiers. <laughs> yeah, and former Newman government minister who was Jan Goldcoast. Yeah. Uh, says the party has slowly but steadily been taken over by the Christian right. And um, so there's that. 
about the branch stacking. Um, was that from her interview with the National Secular Lobby? No, this is in the this is in the Guardian. Right. Okay. Um, Surely the Christian right doesn't have more influence over that party now than it did twenty years ago. Absolutely, it, it would. Yeah. Yeah. Like back to the Joby Peterson era. Joe, Joe was a Joe niche. was an interesting case because he was a Lutheran, wasn't he? Um, he he was an interesting case because he was such a religious nutter himself. Yeah, um, and he's more than twenty years ago now, surely. It's got to be thirty yeah. years ago now. Doesn't yeah. It? yeah. Um, he lost government in the late eighties. Yeah, eighty nine. Yeah, just from my perspective, mm. I, I see that it's going the other way. I, like, Less religious. Yeah, I think really? that's trending no, the other way. It's getting, but I could be, more, I could be it's wrong. It's getting far more religious now. But what than what makes you think so, Warren? Um, oh, just observations <laughs> in general. Really, nothing, nothing in particular. Like, uh, no, but you've got the, the, you, you didn't you, have branch stacking by Christian groups. 20, 30 years ago, you didn't have that happening. No, and what you what so, you've got uh, now is you've got sure? you've probably got. <laughs> it probably was. It was you, just going no, on. No, you didn't undetected. have intentional branch stacking where they said, "Hey, everybody, there's a guy here in this electorate like Chatsworth member Steve Minikin who was mm. voting in favour of abortion laws." Yeah, and the Christian right said, "Right, let's send but a whole could, bunch of you people." You could over view there. that as well. Maybe they had enough power back then that they didn't need to stack. They they already had it. That's possible. That's an argument. But it's a concerted effort with with this sort of and very consciously Christian takeover, you know what I mean? Not just we want good, solid citizens, you know, respectable conservatives to run the party. It's we want Christians to run the party, specifically of that religious uh, inclination. I see it as a last gasp sort of struggle, they realise that they're losing their influence and it's just they're going down, kicking and screaming. But it's a different group. One would hope. Previously it was conservative Anglicans and Catholics who were who were in the party. And, mm. and the Catholics used to be in Labor and they transitioned across to Liberals. Mm. So, um, so that's the group who... If you'd have asked people in the party, what's your religion? Of course, there would have been a majority sort of Catholic, Anglican sort of thing. The group that's coming in now are these evangelical, yeah. um, highly Nutters. motivated Pentecostals, charismatics who are intent on, on converting the world ideologically to yeah. their way of thinking. Whereas it's a pre- different type of Christian in there now. Yeah, yeah. They've. And they're, they're not just cultural Christians; they're, mm. if you like, ideological Christians. Mm. Yeah, and it it used to be that Labor was ideological in the grassroots and in the branches, and and ideologically wanted left wing things at all costs, and didn't care about the power, and would lose power as a result. Now Labor is more sort of less ideological. And wants the power, so, and it's the conservative groups who are now riddled with these people who have real ideological agendas where they must have mm. uh, marriage equality overturned and they must have no abortion laws and, and these very sort of Christian conservative. They, they become a very ideological group on those sorts of issues. So, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, I definitely yeah. think they're 
far more militant in their yeah. approach. Where I think <clears throat> Warren's right is that you can look at the members of the House and the Senate and with the exception of Morrison and a few around him, the majority of them really don't give a toss about religion one way or the other. Hmm. But they attend church once a week. Who, who doesn't? Majority of them. Of of who? Of of the lib, the Liberal Party membership members of the of the House of Representatives or the Senate. They really don't give a toss. They attend church out of because they've got to put on they've got to put on front for it, and hmm. they also then line up and they. They give these people their time, and then when their when their pre-selection is threatened by them, then they'll cave on issues such as abortion law and that sort of thing. Mm. But the close the close group around Scott Morrison, they are, are highly religious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are extremely religious. Yeah. yeah. So we've so, got a handful of close advisors who Stuart are, Robert and yes those sorts of characters around Morrison who are complete nutters. And yeah. one of the reasons Matthias Cormann's probably resigning is he's kind of out of that. Religious happy clappy circle of the inner circle that Morrison is he's Catholic, isn't he's it? resigning when at the next election? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, no, not at the next election, he's going the at the year, end of February, end of October, isn't it? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. he's staying behind for the budget, and then after that, he's out. Mm. I like Christian Porter, his uh, his opinion. He said it's dangerous not to be religious in the yeah. Liberal Party. Mm. <laughs> Did he say that? Yeah, mm. so um. So anyway, now we've got because we've had the demise of groups like uh, Family First and Australian Conservatives. And remember, who was the guy who was from South Australia? Yes. Uh, Corey Corey no. Bernardi. Corey Bernardi. Yeah. So Corey Bernardi basically looked. He at wasn't and thought, Family First. No, but he no, basically he... looked at it and thought, well, why? Why do I need my party? Mm. Because we've got a Pentecostal yep. guy in charge, and those. Parties became irrelevant, and a lot of those people are now just joining the LNP with the demise mm. of those. So guys like Lyle Shelton are turning up in the LNP now, whereas before they were in some fringe they're in the religious, conser- they're in the religious political party. Yeah, mm. so they're um, they're finding a home there. Um, so get involved, listeners. Get involved in politics. Look, just stop this from happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, for those of you that can't bring yourself to vote for the Labor Party, then I recommend you join the LNP. You're going to have to hold your nose to do it, but hmm. I do believe that we've got to put up some sort of fight. Mm. Yeah. Join and tell us what happens. It exactly. must be terribly exciting, those meetings, Scott. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Can you take beers? Well, you could have, well we used to have ours at a, at a restaurant so you could get beers at the bar. Right. Um but one of the things that I was waiting for at some stage... I'm interested all of a sudden. No, I was sitting there and I thought to myself, they're going to say a prayer over this meal before <laughs> too long. And they yeah. never did. Oh. But it was getting that... It was getting to that point where I thought to myself, someone's going to say, look, you know, let's all hold hands and pray to God for <laughs> thanking for you of this meal. And really? then you're well, outed well, as a non-believer. Yeah. Yeah. It was really... It just had that feel about it. Mm. I thought to myself, this could end up going this way. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, um, there was a guy down south. Um, we've got to move on to Labor branch stacking now. So yeah. Labor <laughs> That does, was disgusting. Labor doesn't uh, have this religious – well, it does in some areas. The shoppies union is, is heavily Catholic and controls uh, way too much power. But in the sort of branch level, they haven't concentrated on the religious – Groups so much as cultural groups. So 
this guy, uh, Somurek, um, who was caught because um, the demise of unions, they need motivated groups now. So um, he, he was basically working on ethnic groups and finding leaders of ethnic groups and, and getting them to bring ethnic groups on board because they'll actually... Um, well, there's a quote here from this Crikey article which says, once you stack a branch with Turks or Indians, it stays stacked. <laughs> <laughs> They're the Marie Kondos of party subversion. And Marie Kondo, Kondo is that that Japanese lady who's famous for organising her home and decluttering, decluttering. and only, oh, only, keep, really? only keep the things that you really want. Right. And, like... Has made millions and is a YouTube yes. phenomenon, and it's all about decluttering was her thing. She's and a minimalist, uh, yeah, and just only keep the things that you really want. And um, so, yeah, once you stack a branch with Turks or Indians, it stays stacked. So that's mm. that's their way of of dealing with branch stacking what's the, now. What's the inference there um, with Turks and Indians? Turks and uh, Indians as a cultural group that y- y- they that once they commit y- to a to a group, yes, you've got them. Yes, and they and will very, obey. Very loyal. They'll obey their, you know, their their community leaders and turn up in the same way that Mormons will obey the Mormon leadership. Oh, and turn yes, up. you didn't mention so, the Mormons, and so, as we know, they are yeah. they are taking over the Victorian branch yes. of the Liberal Party. Yes, and yes. you so know their not- brand of religion is a bit kooky, but you know yes. what they're after is a conservative government that uh, solidifies, you know, conservative society is what they like, isn't it? Not power. So, hmm? power they want. Yeah, but yeah. with the power, you know, mm. they create the environment where their their imagined mm. ideal society can exist. Mm. Mm. I think mm. Adam Somurek yep. was fired because of the way that he spoke about that female um, uh, Labor politician who was in the... Um, the, the cabinet. I, th- I think the um, the branch stacking. It, they they all right. knew he was doing it, and it wasn't it wasn't that he just got caught being yeah. open about it. Yeah, yeah. but I, even if it was just the branch stacking, I don't mm. I don't think that he would have been sacked. It was the the way that that he spoke about that uh, that female. I forget he, her name. He also seemed to um, think that he had. As much power as the premier, didn't he? He spoke mm. as if, basically, or well, more power. Yeah, yeah he was like, ah, oh, you know, more power. You know, mm. yeah, he'll be gone or something like that. Yeah. He said, yeah. Mm. End of this uh, crikey article says. Meanwhile, the public becomes more and more disillusioned and cynical. Political party membership, even with branch stacking, is in decline. Progressive groups coalesce around specific areas of interest without translating their efforts into political effectiveness. Progressive and reactionary groups coalesce around competing culture war views which have little or nothing to do with core structural national problems. Uh, And the media, mainstream and social, compounds the problem by reporting on tactics or providing echo chambers rather than analysis and robust policy discussion. Agree with all that from Crikey? Mm. Right. Um... When Shay interviewed me, I mentioned at one point in there the dominionism and the seven mountains sort of thing that's going on. And um, so I've got a link to a couple of articles and 
Seven Mountains and Dominionism. So, so Seven Mountains is um, basically these Christian groups are looking at, this is the sort of charismatic Pentecostal fundamentalist groups, uh, looking at um, what shapes societies, family, religion, education, media, entertainment, business and government. And they basically say that Christians need to get in and control as much of those areas as they can and the th- idea is that once they have gained control of the seven mountains, then the Lord Jesus will return to earth and, and the rapture will happen and we can all then progress onwards. So it's kind of tied up with this end times thing as well, is, is we've got to gain this control, then the Lord will come and, and will rapture. So- when Christ comes back, do the four of us go to hell or not? Yeah, I think so. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. So. There's probably no no argument to be had about that, is there? Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know. So Yeah. We're, so, gone. We're gone. Right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And as, see you down there. As, Look forward to it. As part of reading this article, it's said in there that um, a quarter of Christians in the world today are either Pentecostal or charismatic. Really? And I, I checked a few things, Googled a bit, and that seems to be correct. Yes, but charismatic is rather a vague term. We have to be a little bit careful about lumping groups together. Okay. so Because def- there are literally hundreds or possibly thousands of denominations yes. in Christianity, yeah. as you know. Charismatic, my reading of it, seem to be very close to Pentecostal, except they don't believe in the speaking in tongues. <laughs> No, serious. Yeah. So they're into the Holy Spirit can fill you and guide you and whatever, mm. sort of a strong Holy Spirit focus, but without the speaking in tongues being an essential part of, of that, and that mm. seemed to be the charismatic. So mm. um, lots of them in Africa as well, makes up big numbers. Mm. But a quarter of Christians as Pentecostals or charismatics, but they frighten the bejesus out of me. I can handle Catholics. I was one. Yeah. I can handle... Your regular Catholics, everyday Anglicans, of the lower, Catholics I, and Anglicans are tame, except the Sydney Anglicans. But I can so I can accept all those. But these, this, I was a Sydney Anglican yeah. as a child, and I can accept the old school Methodist, hardworking sort of Lutheran. But the, these charismatic ones are dangerous. Mm. They will stop at nothing, and they've got well, the whole prosperity to gospel. Hillsong. Yeah. You went to Hillsong to listen to him and you thought yeah. to yourself, Jesus. It's about time we went back, isn't it? Well, he, uh, uh, they wouldn't be open yet, would they? I don't know. No, they wouldn't be. Mm. Oh, maybe in Queensland they will be now, actually. Queensland they Do you know what? I just had a thought. Maybe if we join one, you know, some of these churches and um, we could introduce the custom of snake handling, you know, poison, <laughs> poison, <laughs> poisonous snake handling as a, a right. sign of faith. Right. And then leave, you know, just introduce the, the custom <laughs> and then quietly leave, go somewhere safe. <laughs> you really want them all to die, don't you, Paul? <laughs> Dear listener, if you're interested, through me as always. In, in the back catalogue we did a Hillsong visit where we went along and, um, <laughs> and that, was, that was interesting. It, yeah, was, an, it was an eye-opener. With deep throat. Yes. Um, and I've just got a link to an article here and – and it talks about how thorough they are in terms of following up on people. If you go and they can get their tentacles in you and get your phone number or email, they'll be ringing you up afterwards. Did you enjoy it? I hope you did. Um, if you come along next Sunday, would you like to sit with me? Um, 
Have you looked at and then you know? Have you looked at one of our other sessions midweek? Can we get you to come along to that? And also the tactics that they use for getting people to donate and tithing, and it's good to stretch yourself and um, very motivated, very full on Hillsong. And um, I, I think it'd be fun if somebody was. Have you ever been to Hillsong? No, I haven't. Okay, if you're up for this, yeah. Could you attend a Hillsong? <laughs> yeah. Take a friend. Yeah. And and um, sign up, like give your name and phone number over and, and it would be interesting to see what follow-up stuff you get, what contacts are made to you in the weeks You might following. lose me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think of that, did you, Trevor? <laughs> are you trying to lose me? <laughs> That would be an interesting experiment. Was yeah. I reckon? No, consider you, it done. If you do that, done. I think you should get yourself a uh, prepaid phone number so that you <laughs> can just for a, a month, <laughs> and then after that you can just get yourself a burner. Yeah, exactly. Probably then after that, then move yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. actually, we'll, we'll yeah we'll, consider we'll, it done. Of, I'll of, do that. Out of podcast supplies, I'll take one for the team. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, we should get you. We should, we should supply you with a burner phone. <laughs> um, get yourself a throwaway um, Gmail account, and yeah, rock up and just. Yeah. Um, and just say, oh, here, yeah, just, you know, I just thought I'd check it out. And just, yeah. And it'd be an interesting exercise to see how the contacts are made. I don't think I've ever been to church a day in my life. Seriously? Oh, well. Ever. So oh. I've, I've got to tick that box, haven't ever. I? Ever. Right. No, ever. Yeah. Ever. Right. Yeah. So, um, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> that should be good. I'm really jealous of you that you've never been to church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. That yeah. is something incredible. Not many people yeah. can make that claim, are there? So were you christened yeah. or anything like that as a child or not? Um, I don't know. Right, fair enough. Right. I think so, maybe. I think mm. maybe, yeah, I think it was because it was just you had to. It was the custom. It, 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 it was the custom, yeah. Really. Mm. I yeah. saw the church where I was christened on TV the other day. Mm, was it in, down, in a child sex scandal or not? No, no, it was, <laughs> it was something about, you know. Community life because it's right smack bang in the middle of Parramatta, St mm. John's Church, Parramatta. It's one of the oldest churches actually in Australia, and yeah, it's a hive of activity, good Christian activity, of course. Mm. Mm. Okay, there's a good one. Take a friend if you like; that'd be good. Or go on your own, whatever you, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Take a couple of beers. Yeah, and and dear listener, um, if you're out there as well, um, where there's Hillsong nearby, do it as an experiment and just. See, report back to us on what and how they get to you in terms of um, the communication. And I'm really interested in when they start asking for money. Yeah, and the and the, the things we have that to they find do. the craziest one within so, a 20 kilometer radius. Well, I think you just, that'd... you just go to the big one at Mount Gravatt. Yeah, the hills yeah. on at Mount Gravatt. Oh, yeah, that's, that's just that's down the road. I've got a tip yeah. for you. When when the plate comes around, they've got these envelopes in the seat backs. Yeah, yeah. just take an envelope. Yep. And put it in the tray. You don't have to put anything inside it, but it looks like you're doing the right thing. Okay. Yeah. But if yeah, that's if, what I do. Yeah. Or put your email address on there or phone number yeah. and, and just put two dollars in there. I owe you two dollars. <laughs> just to see what happens as a result, having given that contact. Actually, have a number of different email addresses. And then you could say, okay, that's the email address I used for this particular part. Mm. And then I gave this email address to somebody else. 
Mm. It'll be an interesting experiment. Um, I'll come up with some bullshit story about I've had a, you know, a major traumatic experience in my life recently as well. (laughs) Because their eyes will light up at that. Oh, they love that. Yeah. I'm a bit lost at the moment. I'm a bit lost at the the moment. I've just lost uh, my mother or something. Well, while you're you're at it, um, could you also go to Church of Scientology for us? Because (laughs) Hugh Harris did that. Brave. Don't forget the Seventh Day Adventists. But, but no, they you need to do look into not it. want to touch the Scientologists <laughs> because Harris, they are complete nuts. Hugh Harris yeah, did that. Up. He went along and, uh, and was, was analysed, and um, and he was just astounded at how they basically uh, told him, "Oh, your life is terrible. You clearly you're needing help. We've got these things for you to sign up with and do, and um, yeah. yeah, maybe stick." You'd end Stay up with electrodes applied to you somewhere and yeah. you went to uh, Church that, of Scientology. Yeah. No. So <laughs> consensus in the chat room is I've gone too far with that one stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Lambs to the slaughter. Yeah, okay. Um, once you've – yeah, okay. Well, there's a good um, there's one, good one to do. Done. Just bearing in mind that um, for donations of 5000 or more, followers can earn the label of a kingdom builder. Um, for less than that, you could be a vision impactor, and for under two and a half thousand, you could be part of the army of faithful believers. For uh, this is for Hillsong. What so, can you be for two so, bucks? So, not much. So, Nothing. Um, and they'll really emphasise things about how when you give, just the karma of the world works yeah. in your favour, yeah. and you will find get love. Multiple you will in get, return. Yes, and yeah. people tell stories of. I'll find love. Um, Yes. All right. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so <laughs> that's a good one. Now, you mentioned before Sky News. Yes. Um, They're complete nuts. <laughs> and you're an avid watcher. I'm not an avid watcher. I watched it for a week and I just thought to myself, I'm just going to watch it for a week just to see what it's like. And I turned it on at 7 o'clock every night and I watched it for two hours. Mm-hmm. Every night for two hours, and by Friday night, I was ready to throw something at my brand new television. I'd had a gutful, and nine o'clock came, and I turned it off, and I thought, "Well, thank fuck, that's over." Got through that <laughs> exactly, you know. And Credlin, Jesus Christ, why has she got her own show? Because she she talks. You know, she's, she's an idiot. But you know, ah, oh, sorry, yes. Sky News is the number one channel on Foxtel. That doesn't surprise me because you've got Foxtel divided up into 31 channels or 40 channels or something like that. Its, it's audience is up 31%. And it reaches 3.5 million unique views on the paid TV network. That doesn't surprise me. But they've also, they also have um, broadcast it free-to-air too outside of the metro regions. Yep. yep. So... This is Murdoch's, yeah, Mrs. Murdoch branching out. Mm. Outside of the metro regions, you know, sort of Dolby, those sorts of places and Rocky and that sort of thing, you end up with Sky News coming up free. Mm. But it's only after dark. Mm. So and those increases, there before Jonesy gets on board as well. Well, once so Jonesy gets on board, I'm sure they'll tank, but you know, we'll have to wait and see. Mm. No, I didn't say that, did I? It's, no, they'll go up, won't they? He's for, a draw people, card. for people who are watching that sort of thing, yeah. that's what, yeah, that's true. That's what they want. So yeah. it's a dangerous, uh, it's a dangerous. I've never actually watched it ever. 
Sky News. But yeah. I try well, and stay away from mainstream media as much as possible, to be honest. I think mm. it's it's not healthy. Well, well <laughs> wait, hang on, let's get something straight. Sky News is not mainstream media. Like, no, it's, it's right-wing so, newspaper. It's so it's far off. It, it's, this is the problem, the Overton window of what is acceptable <laughs> conversation. Mm. Uh, Sky News, Sky, yeah, Sky News is so extreme. It's it's off the charts. To, well, as Malcolm, popular, popular media, um, would that be a better description? Uh, Malcolm Turnbull said that um, the Murdoch media is a political party that employs journalists. Absolutely, I think, I think he's right. He's right. Mm. It's an agenda-driven organisation. It's not at all interested in news and reporting it. It's about yeah. driving an agenda. Yeah, I'm I'm all for more media regulation. Right, I think. It's really? important to have freedom of speech and a free press and all that sort of thing, but it's just they're abusing their power. So what sort of regulation? Um, well, don't ask me about details, Trevor. Oh, I've got right, details. Right, right. <laughs> Meaning they just, can't publish things that just, are... Um, what? Well, Scott said what? it last week. When they, when they do something that's abhorrent, take them off air for a week. You know, we, apply some yeah. penalties that actually hurt them rather than just say you've got to make an apology and, you know, put something in small print on page 15 of your next edition and, you know, ask for forgiveness. Just starting like to sound with, like Trevor. It's like with Fox News. <laughs> hey, 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 no. But consequences are the only things that really are going to change behaviours with these people. But who decides? I, I, don't know that I, I don't know I agree with him on this one. Oh, really? I might be on your side. Wow. Well... Uh, well but who decides? Well, what's well, well you, you use the word abhorrent. Like, yeah. if they publish something that's abhorrent, shut them down for forty-eight hours. Mm. Like, who decides what's abhorrent? So, well, that's, that's, in, that's where you territory you, then. Yeah, that's where you need some sort well, of. If you've got a situation that was black and right, like them doctoring those photos the way they did on Fox absolutely. News, absolutely. Then that is a clear-cut case okay. that they should lose their right to public. They should re- lose their right to broadcast for a week. Mm. Okay, doctoring of photos, because that did happen in uh, in the states. Exactly. Well, what if what if they misquoted somebody? Um, well, then they have to be off the air. Well, I agree. There's, there's going to be some. There's going to be a big grey area in the middle there. Mm. But there are some absolutely shocking examples of gross exaggeration and just just lies, essentially. Twelfth man, um, your response. Who decides? That's what I want to know. I mean, it's it, well, it's it who sounds, decides on any law that gets broken. You know, we, use the we same have legislation. Sort of, yeah, and then beyond that, it's up to judges. Some people would say our Indigenous episodes would be abhorrent. Like if our podcast was on mm. mainstream media, they would say shut those guys down for those episodes. That, like mm. a significant number of people would say that was abhorrent. Mm. So. I wouldn't it's, say it's, it's significant. It's a very subjective. I wouldn't say that's a very subjective description. I think you need something much more objective. But but law is mm. subjective, isn't it? No, I think it can. I don't think it has to be subjective. But you've got to look at it. You can say, look, you deliberately lied to the public with this doctoring the photos. We're going to shut you down for a week. You mm. can't broadcast for a week. It's it's highly unlikely that any company would continue to function uh, under the threat of losing their business for a week. But there should be some sanction, some you know, on air, on air correction, whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't think shutting a company down for a week would ever work. Well, they're, they're, you know, their front page because for they the would next just week go out of business. Their front page for the next week is that's a good w- thing. We fucked up. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the, that's the whole front page. 
you know. That's a good thing if they do go out of business for after losing their audience for a week. Well, That's I, a good thing. Some decent, um, some yeah. Some I recently read things on the on the ABC's news website. I don't want them shut down. I want other people to challenge these what I think are, mm. you know, shonky ideas. That's how society progresses: is by you know, discussing things in an open, you know, yeah. marketplace of but ideas. But when you've got a problem like Fox News, and it is a problem, it is out of control, that they have, they are now the leading, I believe they're the leading um, cable news network in America, aren't they? Could well be. Yeah. Mm. Now, that is a hell of a problem, that they are completely out of control. And Fox News preaches to the converted, mm. but, the converted are growing because Fox News is growing. Mm. So and why that not is, grow an alternative? Well, the alternative, it doesn't have the numbers behind it that Fox manages to get. So if they go and doctor a photograph, you've probably still got a hell of a lot of people over the States who believe that photo wasn't doctored. Possibly. Yeah, there was also that scene where uh, in the White House there was a press conference and one of the reporters was holding a microphone and got into an argument with Trump and somebody was like, take the microphone off him and oh, yeah. and I'm ready for my next question from somebody else. And one of the assistants went to grab the microphone and he resisted handing it over, still asking his questions. Mm. And what Fox did was doctored the tape so that they took out certain moments of hesitation and other bits to make it look much rougher yeah. than it actually was. So it was a... A doctoring mm. of the videotape, so yep. that's dangerous territory when you just can't believe what you see. Uh, it's like a photoshopping of the of the video evidence. Mm. So, and it's, now- it's got me worried. The, the whole Sky News thing, and people talk about it, and it drives agendas. And okay. even left wing media talks about what was on Sky News. What did they say? And Politicians like Morrison will send his ministers onto Sky News to be interviewed. Mm. They won't end up on the ABC or on other left-wing media. So it's a it's a dangerous it's but, a dangerous thing. But the, See, Sky the News, problem with Sky News during the day isn't a problem. It's mm. not bad <clears throat> news. It's quite good news. But seven o'clock at night, once it goes after dark, it gets out of control. Mm. Look, the problem with saying, okay, anyone who publishes false news or fake news will shut them down for a week. You know, where do you stop? And mm. there's just so much. What about Christian movies? You know, us guys are not aware of it because we don't watch them and we don't go in those sorts of, we don't move in those circles. But Christian groups, particularly in the United States, they make movies, you know, feature-length movies showing the most ridiculous, Ridiculous nonsense, you know, people being whisked away on, you know, in the rapture and all this sort of crap. Do we also go and say, well, this is out of control, this is fake, this cannot possibly be real, so we're shutting down but your they're, Christian they're, cinema for a week? I'm actually they're, with they're, you on this one. They're not a media organisation. Well, they are in a sense, though. You know, no, I mean, Christian, making they're Christian providing movies. a movie. Christian it's, groups are very powerful and very cashed up in the United States and they make Whole kinds yeah, I know, of media but they're, they're only for pro- consumption. But, but, but that, that is not, you're not comparing apples with apples with that one. No. Like they're not purporting. Maybe not, but it's but still if, media and if, it still has influence yeah. on the people who watch it. If the Christians had a network that was providing news and they had gone and doctored a photo, then I think they should be shut down for a week. 
I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they yeah. do have their own. Well, and if there was that threat of being shut Sorry. down for a week. They, they would behave themselves. They wouldn't have doctored the photo. Exactly. Yeah. But I read a book recently by AC Grayling. It's called Democracy and Its Crisis. Very good book. Mm-hmm. And uh, AC Grayling made the point that democracies fail when the people are ignorant, irrational, and ill-informed. So we can't do too much about them being ignorant or irrational, improve but we can improve <laughs> the way that they're informed. And mm. I think there are some dangers definitely with more media regulation, but the danger of letting it just run the way that it's running at the moment is far greater and something needs to be done about it. Mm. It's interesting, like what happened in radio, like Alan Jones has moved from radio to TV, mm. but one of the reasons is that his, rea- his radio career went kaput because there was a campaign by GetUp and others on the advertisers where they mm. said to the advertisers, we're not going to buy your product anymore, we're boycotting you because you advertise on Alan Jones's show. Mm. And that's that ultimately created a big change in that in that radio program. The mm. problem with Sky is it doesn't rely on advertisers. It's just the Murdoch um, but Murdoch money. makes so, money from advertising, doesn't uh, it? It's, it's subscriptions, but it's a basically a loss-making. It's a subscription. He's, he's doing it, you know, you wouldn't run. His, his um, media empire in Australia is really valueless if you take out um, the realestate.com. Mm. So if you take realestate.com out of the equation, the rest of what he's got is pretty much valueless. But he gets to manipulate our society by having it. So while ever he's alive, he'll just keep pumping money into mm. Sky News, whereas with the radio station they really needed to do their sums and said, hey, mm. all the advertisers have left, we can't pay you this money anymore. So that's, you know, yeah. why he, one of the reasons why he left. So yeah. this is the problem is it's such a privately funded it's a political party that hires journalists. Mm. Um, and you have to ask, does he have anything yeah. better to do? Because he's no, not that what, young. No, that's what his life's young, about. It, it's, it, this is exactly right. He's, he's made all his money mm. and now he's just now thinking to myself, what am I going to do? He doesn't I'm going need to, the money, obviously. He doesn't need the money, but he's prepared to spend the money to protect his money. You know? Yeah. Well, Which, I just think he likes power. He just, it's absolutely. Power. It's about power, power and influence. Yeah. Yeah. Money's so, just one form of power. Yeah. But, I mean, we have rules around political advertising, don't we? There's, there's only a certain there's – a, there's not, a range not, of things that you can say in a political mm, advertisement mm. And, and that gets controlled fairly well. So why can't we use that same level of control over um, media organisations? I think I read something that was pretty loose on what can be said in political advertising. You mm. have to acknowledge spoken and written by blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But – I, I don't know that there's a lot of control over what's no, said. I don't think so. I think they, there's, they there's a lot more control over that than what's written and said yeah. in, in the media. In terms of accuracy, I don't know about that. Mm. But, I'll do some but, research. Yes, put that on. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I hope see, there is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I sent you guys a picture of our new logo for the fifty million dollar logo. Ten million dollar logo. Million. Yeah. Oh, cheap bargain. <laughs> I've just uh, put it on the screen for those watching on the video. Um, it looks like the coronavirus. It's and in fact, it, it is like the. It reminds me of the um, El Alamein 
fountain in King's Cross. Do right. you know the one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, it does like look that. a little bit like that. It's a big, like a... That's our it? taxes. Yeah. So um, so the Australia made with the kangaroo still stays, but we also have this other logo which is supposedly going to be used at trade fairs and other things. And we've spent... It cost $10 million. <laughs> Who will look at that and immediately think, Australia? <laughs> no one. Thank, thank you to the National Absolutely Brand no Advisory Council who signed off on it, and that's made up of national business leaders including mining billionaire Andrew Forrest, Glenn Cooper of Cooper's Brewery, um, <laughs> Australia Post CEO Christine Holgate. It just goes to show you can be in charge of a large organisation and still... So make some Still be shitty clueless. decisions. Yeah. I started a consultancy mm. business a couple of years ago. And I think right. my logo cost me about two hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that was great. You posted up on there's these websites. You posted up, and within hours, I had hundreds of people coming up with designs from all these people in India and all over the world, just sending Off, me offer the, offering their services to you. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just. Choose one that you like and 200 bucks. develop it from there. Yep. Yeah, no need to spend ten million. Yep. <laughs> I mean, if Labor had done this, it'd be all over the front page of the Courier Mail and the Australian. What a waste of money by these characters! But mm. it just get sailed mm. through. Um, Job keeper for priests, but not for universities. Everyone that that is about? a load of crap, isn't it? Yeah, it's shocking. I had colleagues who missed out on job keeper because they'd only been working there ten or eleven months, and yep. and then priests get it for doing what? But universities don't get it at all. So at all? No. University staff? No. Oh, they're exempt. As maybe two universities, which were kind of privately owned, got it. But as general yeah. universities, they just why said, would they be exempt? Good question. Blow, no one knows. Nobody knows. Isn't that odd? It's just the government's ideological thing saying, yep. oh, the universities, you said bad things about us, so we're going to punish you. Yep. And we told you not to rely on Chinese, so now you're just going to have to suck it up. And the churches kind of support us, so, yeah, you can have it. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Okay, um, what is it, $1,500 a fortnight, isn't it? Yep. Mm. You know. Less tax. Good news from the shovel, though. Uh, here's a report that said um, the uh, federal government's $250 million rescue package for the arts industry will provide an average of $500 for each of the nation's arts industry employees. $500? Or $25,000 if they use the Home Builder grant to update their kitchen or bathroom. <laughs> so that's good. Seems fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they do have to spend one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the on their um, building upgrade, don't they? Mm. Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah, maybe you can yeah. just buy some art to hang in your kitchen. Is that included as an upgrade? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what else have we got? Oh, it's it just gets depressing what this government does. You just got to power on through it, Trevor. <laughs> Things like David McBride, who was part of our defence force in Afghanistan and basically observed horrendous things going on and said, reported it and nothing was done and reported it to hire and nothing was done and eventually had to go to the media and now he's in court Mm. trying to save his bacon and not end up in jail 
for exposing in the public interest stuff that our soldiers were doing in Afghanistan and and how we were just over there for absolutely all the wrong reasons and no, no good reasons. And, and this government under national security, you know, priorities just says, screw you, mate, we're going for you. And it's... It's it's you you rail against the Chinese totalitarian state, but this government is doing things like this, and with uh, Bernard Colliery and like really nasty stuff when things are done genuinely in the public interest. Uh, they're a nasty group. Whistleblower laws, yeah, is what we need. But then yeah. it comes back to who decides what's in the public interest. Well, so well, it, clearly this is in the public interest. Yeah. yeah. You know, he wanted to, he wanted to report on what was happening, and he couldn't do it. He he tried to he tried to report it further yeah. up and up and up the chain. And eventually, he went to the media. Mm. The media created a hell of a shitstorm about it, and mm. the next thing you know, he's in court. Mm. What, That's you know a lot of crap. You know, if if Australian authorities are doing illegal acts, that's in the public interest. Mm. So it's but not we, it's we can't. Leave it up to individuals to decide what's legal and illegal. No, but he we? he went to That's the, for courts he, to decide. He went through the system as best he could, and nobody did anything about it. And it was mm. an, he was forced to go to the media yeah. for something to happen. You need to have whistleblower protection so that when uh, when power does things it shouldn't be doing, there's protection for the whistleblower. And yeah. you can easily... But if you've got protection for every single whistleblower, mm-hmm. well, then it, there's no point having confidential documentation. Uh, you can... Because as soon as you breach that confidentiality agreement mm. that you've signed, you can mm. say, well, I'm a whistleblower. Mm. What's the possible threat to our national security by him exposing what he did in Afghanistan? What- that... Every single person who has access to confidential information starts releasing it. Then. But, but in his particular case, what was the danger to Australia's interest that he created by releasing that? Information? Well, I don't know anything about. Yeah. It. I, well, I don't, yeah. well, don't say I don't know anything yeah. about his individual mm. case, mm. but I don't know the minute details of it. But yeah. I mean, as a as an owner of any organisation, mm. you'd want to have certain documents that were confidential mm. and unable to be shared. So you'd engage your employees and you'd say, you're not allowed to release this to the media, yep. to anyone. This is... It, but you know what? If you've, if you've made that deal and you said, if we do tax avoidance, you're not allowed to tell the tax office, that, mm. that's void. Mm. Like you can't actually have an employment agreement that says, if we do something illegal... You're not allowed to tell the authorities. Yeah. So but then, who decide? You're leaving it up to your employee to decide whether you've well. That's where the whistle the tax laws. Well, that's then. where the whistleblower has to be careful to say, "Shit, if I'm going to go to the authorities, I need to be sure that mm. that there has been some illegal activities." So, if you as a whistleblower blow the whistle on something mm. that say wasn't illegal, mm. well, you there's your problem. But if the whistleblower says, no, I'm looking at this and I know this is illegal, then mm. they should be protected. Mm. So it's not 
It's not impossible to construct a set of criteria. Situations in the military where Mm. you're faced with like a Mm. um, that classic sort of trolley um, Mm. experiment, Mm. you know, where it's you've got to make a decision between killing one person or killing five people. Yeah, and sometimes you're forced into those situations, and you have to kill somebody to save five. So. And, and We've that, killed someone who's innocent. That's illegal. Okay. Yeah, but if you've got a guy in a cornfield running away unarmed and he's mm. shot in cold blood, uh, but when, if you, when you if have you, no reason to know whether he's a good guy or bad guy, yeah. and this is part of the problem of putting troops in places like Afghanistan, you never know who are the good guys and the bad guys. It's like Vietnam all over again. Just because they've got a coolie mm. hat on, you have no idea. So... Mm. Um, so that's one reason why we shouldn't even be there in the first place because telling right, wrong from right. But there are certain times where you could say a guy was shot in cold blood when he was handcuffed behind his back and uh, was clearly not presenting any danger. But this guy, you know, it's, it's some open and shut cases that you can mm. easily say are in the public interest. Yeah. And the soldiers are, of course, taught what is an acceptable action and what isn't and yeah. clearly you know shooting somebody yeah. who is you know not a threat i think yeah. our arguments illegal. have just been yeah. reversed here when we were talking about uh restrictions on the media yeah. my arguments were your arguments that you're now using back against me in terms of whistleblowers you're talking about clear cut i'm saying that they're clear cut can easily be clear cut situations yeah and where- in the media, there can be clear-cut situations where they've just been blatantly, they've blatantly lied. Uh, so there should be some sort and of... And so yeah, I'm yeah, using but, the argument, how, who decides, but, but our argument which was, was your that, argument back against me, well, who decides? No, but the thing was the level of punishment. So with the, with the media organisation, you're suggesting a level of punishment that, like I'm all for exposing the let's say, the doctoring of a photo by a news organisation mm. and somebody somebody's saying that was doctored. But as mm. to what the actual penalty should be, I don't know. So the same with um, our activities in Afghanistan that this guy's exposing, I don't mm. know what the penalties penalty should, should be. be. Yeah. So it's more of a penalty argument on that one. Like well, I'm all for exposing... It's got to be more the, than a slap on I'm the I'm all for exposing the, the false actions of media organisations, but I'm not so sure about the penalty for that should be imposed on them mm. is a difference there. Mm. Tricky. But anyway, this government is, is, they've got a nasty hard edge to them on this stuff and it's so easy to say, oh, national security, can't say anything, close court. Um, Do you think it would have been different if we had a Labor government though? Because I personally doubt it. I Somehow. look at guys like Peter Dutton um, and Scott Morrison. I think those guys have got a hard edge to them that uh, makes them worse than others. I do. That's a character okay. assessment of them. So not not saying Labor would be perfect, but um, because they usually these, take advice from the heads of military, don't they, on on these sorts of matters? Well, they do, but you know, I would have thought that. The administration of the justice should be up to the government. And the government having closed courts and that sort of thing, 
Like you know that um, case that we mentioned last week about the um, East Timorese bugging. That was bloody disgraceful. I agree. You know, yeah. it's it's really fucking crook that we Trevor as doesn't a, think so. We as a country what? bugged. East Timor. No, I think Trevor well, does Trevor, think so. I do. I, <laughs> I thought it was cruel. Trevor said, "Well, we have spies. What do we? What do you expect spies to do? Spy on other countries? Is that? Isn't that what? You, did I get your messaging wrong last week? Yeah, I, I was saying that uh, when other he countries was defending are defending China again. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, the argument in that case was people were saying China spied on us. Yeah. Is spying on us, and I go, well, of course China is spying on us because that's what th- spies that's, do that's what spies do <laughs> that's what all yeah. countries but, do but um, in a situation with East Timor with what you um, what not only did we spy on them but we use the information to get a better deal for ourselves for a for a nation that we have a good reason to be friendly with and mm. to feel sorry for because of the shit that we were partly responsible for that they suffered. So right. what, you know, um, what we then did with that information um, was really underhanded because they're supposed to be a friend. They're spying now, on them. Now, what okay. China does to us when they spy on us and slots us somewhere down the track, well, of course they're going to because we're kind of the enemy, we're the West, <laughs> and, aren't we? But when you, it's like New Zealand. If we were to slot New Zealand over something mm. when we're really an ally with them, mm. We're going to need New Zealand's help somewhere down the track. Mm. So why would we slot them in a situation where we might be caught and that's just going to ruin our relationship? So why shit on friends that you might need mm. um, is the difference. So, mm. um, And after having helped East Timor gain its independence from Indonesia and, yeah. you know, send in peacekeepers to sort of, you know, calm down the, the civil unrest that was Killing people, literally. Yeah, I think the East Timorese had a, a a very deep reservoir of goodwill towards Australia. Would have you think? And and wouldn't would've. you think a rich, prosperous country like ours would have had the magnanimity or namity yeah. to to say, let's help these guys get on their feet. Let's give yeah. them the whole oil field, you know, or gas field, whatever it is. Or at least a fair share. At least a fair share. Particularly because we're trying to create a a barrier between the Islamist, you know, like you want to have on your borders Just to cultivate friends in your neighbourhood, which you'd think the Australian Mm. government could have, you know, shown a little bit of uh, generosity in their dealings. But no, they they wanted to get a better deal for Woodside Petroleum, I think, if... Whatever company it was, whatever company it was, yeah, I did that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Retraction of Woodside, whoever it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I just think that the whole handling of the courts and that sort of stuff, where they're suing that um, lawyer mm. for Bernard Collery. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know that's bloody disgraceful. I agree. You know, I agree. Yes. Uh, I'm going to be away again in a few weeks' time, but I think uh, another book. I, yeah, I think I'll do another book review. Yes. Oil under troubled water by that by that not, same not lawyer. Not Pinker. So. so. I'll get to him. <laughs> yeah. I'll get, I'll get I won't there. let you forget. I'll get there. I'll I suspect he'll go to the rapture before he gets to pink. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to be somewhere without internet and I need when I read Pinker, I need to have 
access to the internet, check all these footnotes. So anyway, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, look, um, how are we going time-wise? Uh, is that 8.54. Hour, hour and 30. Okay. I think that's nearly enough. Um, did you guys have anything that you needed to get off your chest? If, Paul, you've had a hard week. You were happy to... <laughs> no, I right. don't have hard weeks anymore. No, we okay. covered everything. All right. Um, well, was I'm excited to hear about what happens with you. Yeah, with, I'm excited. With, that's as a good well. little. That's something that I've yeah. been thinking about for a little while, actually. Right. I thought you felt I should... there was something empty in your life. No, 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 no. I've just uh, uh, I've I've driven past churches and mm. wondered wonder what, wonder what goes in on in there on a Sunday morning. Mm. So, mm. yeah, let's well, find out. Yes, very good. Looking forward to that. All right, dear listener, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being in the chat room, everyone in there. Uh, We will talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye now. Bye, everyone. Bye, listeners. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is your only entrance requirement. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, First up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said and when you're talking to your friends say hey I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to and maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and uh, and just put the word out the other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event. You can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation, so you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners, and that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.